Welcome to Wiregrass Daily News Sports. This is your daily look at sports in the Wiregrass and the Southeast. Dothan Wolves on 96.9, the legend producer, Philip Jordan, breaks the news, covers the games, and talks to experts in the Wiregrass and Southeast. And now, Philip Jordan. Back by nobody's demand but our own. This is the Wiregrass Daily News Sports Podcast. I am your host, Philip Jordan, the in-studio host and producer, Dutton Wolves Football. Welcome in to the Wednesday edition of the show. Got a fun one for you guys today. I am going to be joined by Troy Sadowski, 1988 All-American Georgia tight end and 10-year NFL veteran. We will get his thoughts on the Georgia Bulldogs this season so far with their 4-0 start. Uh, we'll also get his thoughts on meeting Brock Bowers. One great Georgia tight end meets another. We'll talk about that. We'll get his thoughts on the Auburn-Georgia game coming up this weekend and the rivalry and his time playing in it. And we'll also look at some headlines uh, from Tuesday in the sports world that I know you're interested in hearing about. But before we do all that, let you guys know you can find me in the podcast. Find me on social media at PJordanSEC. You listen to the podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcast. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. And if you just give four stars, you are just a straight-up hater, and I will read any review on a future edition of the show. You can always email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. All right, before we bring Troy on to the show, just go over some news items from Tuesday. In the basketball world, Alabama uh, landed a big recruit for the 2024 class. They get five-star center. Aiden Sherrill, he is six foot ten, two hundred fifteen pounds, the number twenty-two player overall, rated by two four seven Sports. Uh, he is the number four player in the state of California and the number four center in the country. He comes from Prolific Prep in the Napa Valley in California. Uh, he is the fifth five-star recruit to commit to Alabama uh, in Nate Oates' five seasons. So just like Bruce Pearl, Nate Oates has really changed things there at Alabama and continues to bring in the great players and continue to bring in the expectations of being a championship contending team. For Auburn in football, CBS Sports predicting Auburn will play Central Florida in a bowl game. Uh, Central Florida, of course, is coached by Gus Malzahn uh, out of now the Big 12, and that would be an interesting matchup for many reasons. Uh, One, because Malzahn coached at Auburn. Uh, we're not that far removed where we've forgotten that. And number two, uh, Hugh Freeze and Gus Malzahn are really good friends. So that would be an interesting matchup. But Auburn's got a long way to go before that. They've got matchup this weekend with Georgia. Uh, then you got LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State coming up. You still got Vanderbilt on the schedule, New Mexico State, and Alabama. I think games that could potentially be winnable are Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and New Mexico State. So six and six is there, but let's see, they got to do a lot of improvement on the offense side of the ball, especially at quarterback, for that to happen. Uh, and Florida State, uh, Mike Norville at his Tuesday press conference, of course, this is the off week for Florida State, so they will not be playing this Saturday. He has some interesting things to say. He says, nobody signs up for just 4-0 in September. We've done that before. It's about what we need to do in October. You know, 
looks back last year when they had their hot start last season, and then they had those three losses in the middle of the year, and then they finished the season strong. You want to avoid that. Uh, but Florida State actually has kind of gotten past their hard part of their schedule in the first month uh, with the matchup with LSU and then Clemson. They have won those. So now I won't say Florida State should go on cruise control, but they are in a good spot schedule-wise. Moving forward, their next game will be against Virginia Tech. Not this week, but the next. We'll have a little nugget on that in a second. Uh, he also said Clemson threw some things at Florida State's defense that they hadn't seen, decided at halftime to be more aggressive, and forced the issue a lot the way it worked. And that quote comes from uh, warchant.com uh, off of their Twitter account. He will later go on to say, thought today's practice to kick off the bye week was really good. Says the most encouraging thing to him is the team is 4-0 and hasn't played its best game. And that's very believable. Uh, When you look at the LSU game, LSU played really well early in that game. LSU moved the ball the entire first half. LSU just could not capitalize on some things. They fell apart early in the red zone. So Florida State dodged and stuff there. Now they played a terrific second half, particularly there in the fourth quarter. And then when you look at the Boston College game, they won that one. They had moments where they looked like a great team. They were being dominant, but there was other times where they just let Boston College come back in the game. And then the Clemson game, you get down 10 nothing, 17-7. to You get the tie. Look, if Clemson could hit a field goal, you may lose that game. So there hasn't been like that game where you can say with Florida State, okay, from start to finish, they were just great. They were the dominant team. I haven't seen that. So that is positive. You're 4-0, but you're yet to really put it all together one game, and you've beaten some decent teams, not decent teams, really good teams, in LSU and Clemson. So there's a lot of positives to take out of that. Now, so I was going to mention the Virginia Tech-Florida State game. That will be not this Saturday, but the next on October 7th. That will be a 2.30 Central Time kickoff, and it will be on either ESPN or ABC. On Tuesday night, the Atlanta Braves had a six-run deficit, but they were to come back to win 7-6 against Chicago Cubs. In the eighth inning, Sean Murphy reached on a two-run fielding error by Cubs right fielder Suzuki to give the Braves a 7-6 lead. Uh, This victory ended any NL Central hopes for the Cubs. Uh, The Milwaukee Brewers are the NL Central champions. Kevin Pillar hit a home run in the sixth to get on the board for the Braves to make it six to one. And then they had two more runs scored in the inning to get within six to three. Ronald Acuna hit a two run home run in the seventh to make it six to five before, of course, when we got to the eighth inning when Sean Murphy had the two run fielding error to uh, put the Braves up seven to six. This was also a homecoming of sorts. Uh, Dansby Swanson, former Brave, it was his first trip back to Atlanta as an opposing player. And this was game one of a three-game set between the Braves and the Cubs. And the last piece of news before we jump into my conversation with Troy Sadowski, high school football, AL.com, has put out their Power 25 rankings for the week, and three teams in the Wiregrass did make this ranking. Uh, number 19, Dothan at 4-1. and one. Uh, Number 18, Enterprise at 4-1. and one. Uh, So add a little bit more to that rivalry between those two schools. And then number 11, Andalusia at 5-0. and oh. And just uh, the third is out there. Number 19, Dothan plays number 14, Baker, this week. So that is 
how that looks. And that's going to do it for the headlines here on today's show. Uh, now let's go ahead. Let's play my conversation with Troy Sadowski. Everybody, as promised at the top of the show, uh, here on the Wednesday edition of Wiregrass Daily News Sports, I am joined by a good friend of any show I've done, Troy Sadowski, 1988 All-American Georgia tight end, 10-year NFL veteran, and uh, Troy, it's always good to talk to you and uh, talk some Georgia football with you. Well, Philip, I appreciate the uh, the multiple invitations. I, I hope they consider, continue to come my way because I, I truly enjoy it. It's a great time with you. Oh, yeah, it's always great to have you on the show. I know this, with this week, the, the Georgia-Auburn game coming up this Saturday, which we'll, we'll kind of jump into toward the end of our, of our conversation. But uh, what's kind of been uh, your read and your thoughts on Georgia so far with the 4-0 start? Well, I, I think that people needed to just kind of relax. I know that, you know, we've come out of the gates uh, kind of slow and struggling at times. But uh, th- that's expected. I mean, we have a, a new quarterback. You know, I think that uh, Carson Beck's playing really well. Uh, I, you know, don't expect that to change. I think he will continue to get better and get better. Uh, we also have a lot of players that are hurt. Some of these other younger guys are stepping up, and I'm, I'm glad to see that. But we're about to get into the meat of the schedule, and this is rare that we meet Auburn this early in the season. Yeah, it is. I I know we're going to get into that later on, but I, I still have not got used to them playing um, this early. And this is earlier than they have. It's usually been last you know couple years it's been more into – October, which I know this is the last week of September, but still really, really early to be getting this matchup. And uh, it does seem like, too, with Georgia, um, you know, like you said, relax. While fans have been uh, showing their displeasure, oh, do you think that's a little bit okay? Two-time national champions, we kind of expect a little bit more in going for the third one? I, I think so. Uh, we, we've kind of gotten spoiled over the last couple of years with those two titles. Um Going back to Carson Beck, I mean, imagine this young man stepping in under center uh, or in shotgun uh, following Stetson Bennett, who uh, I don't think arguably is the, the greatest. He is the greatest quarterback in Georgia history, hands down. That, that, that's got to be a tough thing on his part the stress and the pressure of having to perform uh, following Stetson. Yeah, and uh, when you look at this play, because I've got his stats in front of me, he's thrown for a little over 1,100 yards, 73% completion percentage, six touchdowns, one interception. Uh, what's, what's with you, read? What, what do you like about Carson Beck's game? Uh, I think he has a, a good arm. Uh, he can push the ball down the field. I think they'll be doing that a little bit more. Uh, if we can get, we have uh, some of these wide receivers and running backs that are banged up. If we can get them out there and be at full strength, um, I think this offense is going to be uh, pretty potent. I mean, uh, hands down, the focal point and the epicenter of the offense is Brock Bowers. Uh, and he, he should be. He, He's probably the greatest tight end 
to play college football. Yeah, he's tremendous. And just against UAB, I mean, he was like a man in his boys. And I mean, he, he usually is, but especially in that performance, too, uh, against UAB. I felt bad for some of them UAB defenders have to come oh, up yeah. and uh, get healed. You're exactly, <laughs> you're exactly right. He made he made people look silly. He, he does that, and that that's what makes him a special player. Um, he doesn't go down on the first hit. It takes more than one person to get in there to bring him down, and and he's just he's a pleasure to watch. Uh, he is one of the uh, the high spots of my Saturdays is watching him play uh truly uh a great player yeah watching so you know some of the highlights back on that game you, it, my thought come to because i, I watch nfl on sundays is when somebody tries to come up and tackle derrick henry and that was my first thought with some of the uh, the things that happened saturday against uab with him when someone comes up especially if it's a really smaller db i'm like what are you doing what are you doing <laughs> yeah he, he he runs angry, and he he really is powerful. I mean, I, you know, I I had that opportunity to meet him, and I think in person he feels bigger than he looks on the television. Yeah, let's jump into that. You know, I was, I was a little bit later down, but let's go ahead and jump into it. your meeting with Brock Bowers. I saw on Facebook that was back in early. August when he posted the picture, just uh, what was what was that like? I mean, how did that all come come together? Well, it was facilitated by uh, Robert Miles, who was on the uh, he played at Georgia on the nineteen eighty national championship team. He is still at the University of Georgia, worked there, and uh, he's the one that uh, put it all together. He told me that the reason he wanted me to meet Brock, he said, I I think good people need to meet good people. And I said, "Wow, I got you fooled." <laughs> uh, but it was uh, it was a really nice meeting. Uh, we got to talk about thirty to forty minutes. Very polite, humble young man. Um, you almost had to pull conversation out of him. Just very quiet. He's one of those. He's one of those people that leads by example. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You said you had a conversation with him because I always hear like Kirby Smart talk about it, and other you know coaches and players on Georgia that you're not going to hear much uh, out of Brock Bowers. You know, and so when he does get interviews, you you kind of see that a little bit. So I was just kind of wondering, you know, when maybe the cameras aren't on, but it seems like what you see when the cameras are on, it's the same person you get like behind the scenes. The the, the part I liked about it was we we talked and we were comparing when I played with now and it was glaring to him that uh it was a much different style of play back when i played tight end than than what it is now uh hence the unbelievable statistics that he's racking up um i wasn't even close to that <laughs> not in, in my dreams maybe I know. Don't, do, do you ever wish you could have ran a couple of jet sweeps like he does? Uh, no, because I did not have the speed that he has. He's very. And I asked him. I said, "What? What is your uh, forty?" He goes, um, four seven. I said, "There's no way." 
I said, you you got to be down in the four fives easily. I mean, watch him play. He pulls away from DBs and cornerbacks and safeties. You know, being, being matched up with a linebacker is a mismatch for him. You're, you're gonna, their teams are going to have to put some uh, safety or a cornerback on him because uh, he, he's so quick and fast. He's got phenomenal hands. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what they ever do. You know, when you look at what Georgia now, especially when they get when they're fully at health at wide receiver. I mean, this is probably I think the best receiving group they've had at Georgia since Kirby's been there. Because you bring in Dominant Lovett from Missouri, you got Rara Thomas coming in from Mississippi State. I mean, you got Arian Smith there. I mean, when you get McConkley back too, I mean, the, the receiver position is loaded, and then that's just going to even open up more things for Brock Bowers because. You know the way you have to defend them because if the receivers are beating you on the outside, you you got to you know bring help over there. Then that opens up the middle for Brock. Oh yeah, they uh, they they do have a very deep wide receiver group, and when McConkey gets back, it'll just make things even better. But um, to be able to push the field like they they will be, that's that's going to be tough for a defense and a defensive coordinator because they're going to require you to guard every yard of that field and that 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 you you scatter people out and you're going to have receivers running underneath and running free uh especially with a guy like brock bowers in the middle of the field are you kidding me Whew, man i'm you got me excited about this (laughs) yeah because if your defense i mean how do you defend them because you put Look, let's face it. He probably gets by, runs past most linebackers, or and then he'll just almost like a power forward if you try to put a defensive back on him. So it's it's a complete mismatch for pretty much everybody. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I see them also getting him involved out wide and some back shoulder throws on the sidelines. Uh, imagine a, a defensive back that gets caught in the middle. And then he doesn't come back, and he just takes off, you know. So he, he's a uh, what do they they call him the unicorn? That's it. He he, he truly is. Um, he's he's a, a defensive coordinator's worst nightmare as a tight end. You know, and another thing too, I saw uh, on Facebook. You know, it was around the time of that picture with you and Brock. the The autograph helmet between you, Brock Bowers, and Orson Charles. Uh, just talk about that. You said it's the only one out there in existence. Is what you told me off the air. It, it is, as far as I know, um, because the three of us have never done a signing together. They, they, he could have them. Uh, done individually that way, but I have never signed anything with Brock Bowers, and I know uh, that uh, that would put uh, exclusivity on this, and it's I'm excited to have it. Uh, it's uh, it's really an honor uh, to be on a helmet with two great players like them. Yeah, you know, would you before we jump into uh, the Auburn rivalry and just the history of it and th- this Saturday's game? 
Uh, defensively, you know, we haven't really we've focused so much on the offense in this conversation. Just so what have you seen out of the Georgia defense so far? Well, I mean, um, again, they, they've had some players that have been banged up a little bit, but um, I like the way that they, they hunker down uh, and bow their neck up uh, when they have to. Um, what people don't understand is that every week, like this week, Auburn's offensive coordinator will put together 10 scripted plays that he feels are the best plays against Georgia's defense. South Carolina did that, and look what they did their first series. They marched right down and scored a touchdown. Well, Kirby Smart and his defensive staff uh, made adjustments to that. And then uh, after the halftime, it was, a, it was a tale of two halves. They were a completely different team. Uh, I like the defensive backfield. I think they're very deep. They run fast and they hit hard. Yeah, that's I think been, that they'll uh, be able. I think they'll be able to put pressure on Auburn's quarterback as well, up front. Yeah, we can jump into that because with Auburn, look against Texas A&M, they struggle with the pass rush. Which I watched the game. A lot of that Peyton Thorne, the quarterback, held on to the ball too long, too. But, of course, who knows what Auburn. You, you got Robbie Ashford coming in, so they're going to have the two different quarterbacks. When We've been seeing it all year. Peyton Thorne is more – which he can run a little bit, but he's more of your traditional drop-back passer. Then Robbie Ashford comes in and runs. But, obviously, I'm, you know, Georgia knows that as well as I do, even more. So they're going to be prepared probably for two quarterbacks. Well, and, and it's tough to play two-quarterback system like that, too. Um, I, I I can't remember uh, two quarterback systems like that most recently that was successful. The only one I ever remember is uh, Urban Meyer's first championship team at Florida with Tebow and Chris Lee, which Tebow pretty much came in and you know ran the ball, ran a read play. I mean, every now and then he would throw it or the jump pass, but that, that's the really only time I can really think of it really working recently in the last probably 15 years or so. Yeah. And it, it, it's not um, the first time. This isn't their first rodeo against Auburn. Yeah. I think, I think, it's, I think the teams know each other very well. Um, I think it'll be a much closer game, but I think Georgia will pull away. You're a lot more optimistic about the Auburn side of things than I think most Auburn people are about this Saturday uh, with the game. Because, look, this rivalry has not gone well for Auburn. It's gone great for Georgia. Uh, they've won nine out of the last ten. They've won six straight. The only win was in 2017 when Auburn beat them in the regular season. Then Gus Malzahn ran his mouth, got caught on camera, and then uh, Georgia got them in the SEC championship game. Yeah, I remember um, going over there. I think that, um, golly, what was it, a 1986 game? What was it? Anyway, uh, one of the games, uh, James Jackson was our quarterback, and he wasn't able to play. So they started Wayne Johnson, and uh, he threw me a touchdown pass. It was uh, the one of those... Uh, misdirection plays where I snuck across the field, was wide open, 
caught a touchdown. But that was the game that they, uh, the Auburn people turned on the sprinklers on the Georgia fans. Okay. So that that rivalry, of course, then was toward the end of the year. You were playing in November uh, when you would play Auburn then. What was those weeks like? What was, what, what was the rivalry like? How heated was it? Well, I mean, that, that was back before we had the uh, the conference uh, were split, the different divisions, and it usually came down to that game uh, who was going to represent the SEC in the Sugar Bowl. And uh, when I was, we beat Auburn one time when I was there, and we lost the other ones. So they, they had our number when I played them. You know, was uh, of course you know the whole Pat Dye Vince Dooley thing about it, where Pat Dye went to Georgia, uh, Coach Dooley went to Auburn. Was, was that even uh, talked about any from Coach Dooley, or was that just kind of one of the things he didn't he didn't bring it up or anything like that? It, he, he everybody knew about it. He never brought it up because he thought it was a non-factor, and it wasn't. It, it really had no factor in. Uh, how they played, how we played. There was no intense hatred like that. It's the Deep South's oldest rivalry, so it does have a lot of uh, history behind it. Uh, I also remember sitting there and watching Bo Jackson run run all over the place. Yeah, that's the thing, too. When you look at those two, the two teams, they have the best two running backs ever played in the SEC. Maybe college football. I mean, you can bring, have that debate, too, when it comes to Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson. Two, probably two of the top five best ever. Yeah, it just it's just amazing and, and, and with the rivalry too. It's it's always been it's always been a fun week. I, I honestly, as a, I'm a traditionalist with with the scheduling, Troy, I wish they still played uh, when they did, uh, but uh, they're not calling Philip Jordan for uh, scheduling advice over at the SEC head offices. <laughs> so I uh, have to live with it. Well, and then um, I was thinking the other day that this is going to be Georgia's first trip on the road you know how, how are they going to react to a hostile environment because it's going to be loud Jordan Hare is loud mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be it'd be nice interesting to see how George is going to react to that uh, fan base because I think they will be out there in full force uh, regardless I think I think it'll be a good game you know, in, in, in past this game, and of course a lot of comments by people have been made about the Georgia schedule. After this game, they'll host Kentucky. Uh, they've got, obviously, the, the rivalry matchup with Florida later on down the road. Missouri looks solid this year from uh, from them. We know they gave Georgia a game last year. And Tennessee, a lot of people have hopes on them. Just uh, When you look at Georgia past this, uh, any worries, any any pitfalls you see with somebody that might get up, you know, put some pressure on them or potentially, you know, give them trouble? Oh, I mean, I, I think that any given Saturday, anybody on Georgia's schedule could beat them. Uh, that's that's just the way it is. I mean, we uh, we we did recruit great. We do have a, a good roster. We have good players, but these kids are learning to play together, and this is a week by week process. That's why, you know meeting Auburn so soon uh, 
it's it's going to be interesting. Um, it, it, it's it's never been that way, but I think uh, I think Georgia has enough talent that uh, they should pull away in, in the end. And uh, I kind of as we kind of close up our conversation, Troy. Any uh, any final words uh, uh, from you? Have patience, Dog Nation. <laughs> this this is a team that is uh, they they came out the gates and they were puppies and they're learning they're learning to play together they're learning to trust each other and uh, I think Georgia fans just need to have a little patience. Kirby's they've recruited well. He has a great staff. They have great players, and I think that uh, in the spotlight and prime time, I think you're going to see these these great players rise up and make great plays. Uh, Brock Bowers, we know, will be there, and he will be leading the charge. Uh, and it's been awesome watching him grow as a player and uh, having the opportunity to meet him, uh, what a pleasure he was and, and what a joy uh, to spend that time that I had with him. I'm, I'm, I think we're going to have a good, a good season. I, I don't think there's any true dominant team, you know, maybe Michigan, Texas. I mean, it's a long season. Mm-hmm. Mich- Michigan's got a – they may see Ohio State twice. Mm-hmm. Well, one or, or you know, who knows? Um, who thought that Colorado was going to win their first two games and go to Oregon and get throttled? Yeah, it's, that's that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's week. This is a week by week thing, and uh, we're just going to take them one at a time, and and hopefully we're checking off wins. Yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, this Saturday to see how it comes out uh, against Auburn. Uh, I think it's a lot of people are surprised that Georgia's only favored by 14.5 in this one. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. That's one of the great rivalries in college football. And, and Troy, it's uh, always great to have you on any show I'm doing. And uh, I always appreciate you, you coming on. And I uh, hope, you know, hope we can uh, do this again sometime down the road. Well, all you got to do is text me, make a phone call. Uh, I would love to come on. I, I enjoy uh, every time I've been on. I've enjoyed the time that we've had together. Uh, so don't be a stranger. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You can guarantee that. And uh, once again, Troy, I appreciate the time. One last thing. Go dogs. Great conversation, as always, with Troy Sadowski. Always enjoy talking to him, whatever show I'm hosting. Uh, brings great insight from the former player perspective and just always like to talk to him about the time he was playing, whether it be college or the National Football League. So, And you'll hear from Troy again uh, down the road. We'll, we'll bring Troy back onto the show. So I hope you really did enjoy that conversation. And that's going to do it for today's show. Once again, I appreciate you checking out the show. Uh, remember, you can follow me on social media at PJordanSEC. The podcast is available on wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever. You get your podcast. You can always email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. Got a fun show coming to you guys on Thursday. Scheduled to be joined by 
National College Football writer from the Sporting News, Bill Bender. So we will look at some of the teams that we cover here, and we'll look at college football from a national standpoint as well, and we'll go over any kind of headlines that happen on Wednesday. But anyways, guys, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Until tomorrow, bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to today's Wiregrass Daily News Sports. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow for more of the sports you love in the Wiregrass. Check out the podcast at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Continue the conversation and connect with Philip on social media at PJordanSEC. 